0: Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes.
1: And I'm Tish Oxenreiter.
0: Oh, my friend Tish, <laughs> what is it that you are drinking today?
1: Well, I'm nothing if not predictable, so I'm drinking Passion Fruit Sparky Water from H-E-B. <laughs> oh,
0: the Sparky you know, Water. Yeah,
1: nothing. Is fancy. it actually...
0: Is it called Sparky Water? Or is that just what your family calls it?
1: We call it Sparky Water because of Hilde Stewart. So Hildegard oh, Stewart. Oh, that's right. Yep. That's
0: uh, You've told me that story. That's all right. See, this is like a drink with a friend unfiltered. It's like how my actual real life conversations oh. are, which, it, which is where people are like, no, I've told you that story 52 times.
1: Okay. So, you know, I I just had my 44th birthday a few weeks ago. And it really it it has been made very clear to me that I tend to say things I have said before, or I tend to forget things that has been said to me. And I don't know if this is just what happens when one enters 40s something. But it happens to me a lot these days, where I'm just well, I'm becoming that old lady that just says the same stories again and again. Oops.
0: I mean, that'll make this um, podcast very predictable. As as you (laughs) claimed earlier, I am nothing if not predictable.
1: I know listeners are going to be like, you guys have said this before. You have had this exact episode.
0: (laughs) You know, I think we need to get Haley's Hildy on and maybe maybe have her as the friend and just ask her, like, what is it that you like about Sparky Water? Like do a whole thing with Hildy.
1: I love that idea, actually. I mean, she's maybe a bit too young, but we could do kids. That would be I mean, why fun. not? It'd kind
0: of it. be, like, it be like the old, you know, what, what thing, the crazy things kids say.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, yeah, that's
1: good. All right. So, Seth, what are you drinking this
0: afternoon? Well, I am nothing, if not predictable, either. It is one o'clock as we're recording this on September 1st. And mm-hmm. because it is in the afternoon, and it is the middle of the week, I am drinking coffee.
1: Nice. Caffeination. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I'm drinking um, Airship coffee from my friend, Mark Bray, who does an amazing, amazing job with coffee. We have two really great roasters here. Um, you know, you, we have John over at Onyx and we have Mark over at Airship and Northwest Arkansas is not we're not hurting for coffee.
1: I love it. Yeah. We're not either here in Austin, the Austin area. Yeah.
0: I mean, clearly. I mean, it's like I feel like if you want good coffee, you need to live in Austin, Portland or un- as unlikely as it might sound northwest arkansas
1: you know what the, i've been there a few times and I, I it surprised me but it makes sense actually that's a really cool part of arkansas like, People is.
0: don't know. it is mm-hmm. and you know right under my office where i work pretty much every day uh john and anya of on uh, Anna of uh, onyx have that's so so weird to say when it's <laughs> on uh, on Nick's anyway, anyway, it's very difficult. Um, th- they have a new shop, differently branded, mm-hmm. right under my office, and you know where I'm going to spend all m- my money now.
1: Right, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, I'm just really going to be cool. my
0: office. Can you smell connect it? To my- yeah, I can smell it. I can connect to my same Wi-Fi. It's amazing. Love it. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's where I'm going to spend all my time.
1: All right. Well. What are we talking about this afternoon? I mean, what's on your mind?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we, we love the idea of finding truth, goodness, and beauty in the world around us. And, you know, I think, you know, as we continue to talk through and navigate through this show from season to season, month to month, whatever it is, like we want to keep coming back to that and just Mm -hmm. saying like, how are we training our eyes to find truth, beauty, and goodness in the world around us. We've done this episode before. Hey, just a few things that are bringing a little bit of beauty to your life, a little bit of truth, a little bit of goodness. Let's name those things, particularly in the realm of of art or literature or television or whatever. And so we kind of want to do that today. That's kind of what I'm thinking about.
1: Yeah. You know, there is something really sacramental about deliberately searching for the ordinary beauty in life. And I think it's good practice for us. It gives an excuse to our listeners to do it in their own lives. And so just by listening to us name the things that we're seeing that are beautiful, perhaps it'll conjure up some ideas in your mind um, so that you notice these little things. Because nothing I've got anyway on my list is anything remarkable or major. It's just stuff that that's, you know, adding that beauty that we like. So yeah, yeah with well, that in mind.
0: I yep. mean, let's start with you. I think you're you're you always bring the thunder early. So <laughs> what's,
1: thunder.
0: Uh, what's something uh, that's bringing a little bit of truth, beauty, or goodness to your life? What's one of the things that you're noticing?
1: Well, um, school year underway. I'm teaching British literature this year to juniors and seniors, and this is probably my favorite genre of literature to read. Oh, uh, you think? I know. Shocker <laughs> to both you and anyone listening. Um, and in fact, Seniors are really trying to convince me to take them on a the Literary London next summer. So we'll yes. see. Wouldn't that be amazing yes. to take teenagers? I be. know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Well, so we are starting up Hamlet right now. And I love trying to, con- well, I don't love trying to convince high schoolers to like Shakespeare. I love introducing them to Shakespeare in a way that I think is really palatable and really mm-hmm. enjoyable, because he is enjoyable. And yeah, he's, he can be challenging to understand. But that's only because of either the way it's presented to us, or just because it's our own fault, meaning like we're modern, and we have certain ears for certain types of languages, and, and his sounds old and rough. But um reading Hamlet right now. Um, I purposely assigned to them No Fear Shakespeare, which has the original on one side and a translation on the right so that they can understand a little bit better what's happening. I typically like to Shakespeare, well, plays in general are the only form of reading that I like to show the the visual first, like the, a movie version or a play if we have the option, because plays are meant to be seen, not read. So. When Shakespeare wrote, he wasn't thinking, I hope, an English class 500 years from now, mm-hmm. you know, fine comes every single word I say and and unpacks it. Um, no, he wrote it as a script for actors to perform for entertainment. And so the thing is, though, we don't have time for that. I don't have time to show them all of Hamlet before we read it simply for school year reasons, like just logistics. So this is um, kind of a close second paired with a lot of YouTube now, I know you're not on YouTube oh, this month, but I am not. there are some really good Hamlet performances on YouTube. And the nice thing is that they've, and most of them are in little clips. I think there's one or two where you can watch a full length performance, but really and truly, you can find like five, six minute clips of scenes from Hamlet. And Hamlet has been done by some of the greatest actors of the modern era David Tennant's played Hamlet, mm-hmm. Andrew Scott, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Ian McKellen. I mean, so many great ones. And so a lot of them are on there and I just love being able to show them like watch David Tennant do this one soliloquy or watch how Andrew Scott interprets it completely differently. Like you can watch three different versions of the to be or not to be soliloquy done completely differently. And it's just fascinating. So I will share with you and you can watch them in a month if you want, but I'll put them in for our listeners, the different links to Hamlet soliloquies. But, um, Another thing I do in our class is we, we start off with a catechism. We start our class where they stand up and they I ask questions and they answer it. They don't need to memorize it. But by the end of the year, it's memorized because they've said it so many mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. it's just different um, bits from the books that we read. So one of my questions is, some I don't even remember. I mean, we're barely in the year, but how I word it. Something about Hamlet and how he views life. And so I'm just going to read this little um, soliloquy when he's just you know Hamlet's a moody, broody, I mean he's perfect for teenagers, um, and so I love when he he says here he says, "What a piece of work is a man, How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty in form and moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals, and yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust to me, <laughs> I just love the way that ends, and that sounds so." Uh, that just gives us a lot to talk about in class um, because teenagers, man, they're moody and broody, and so is Hamlet. So
0: yeah, that, and I kind that of that feel beauty? depressed now. I know. Nah, I want to well, take a nap.
1: That's Hamlet for you. Do him. you know?
0: Do you know another great? Uh, actually, too, but you know another another great actor who has portrayed scenes from Hamlet, uh, Rick Moranis. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> uh, did you ever watch the movie Strange Brew? Um, yes. which was about uh, which was Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, and they were talking, they had this whole thing about hey, hoser and the beers, and oh, yeah, there's a mouse the in Canadian. my beer, hoser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were all Canadian, yeah. Um what's this all about, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sorry, Canadian listeners, but that's right. my impersonation of Rick Moranis doing an impersonation of someone yeah. from Canada. Yeah. Right. Um <laughs> Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas did this whole movie called Strange Brew, and Strange Brew is patterned off of Hamlet. And so I didn't know that. Yeah, so when I was in high school, I um we had two choices of literature classes or two of English classes. One class was a literature class. It was our honors class and the AP class was a research-based class. And so, my mom really wanted me to take the AP class because college credit and research and all this stuff. Um but I didn't want to do a research paper. I wanted to read. And so, mm-hmm. I took the honors class and I took it with uh mr werner mr werner was an amazing teacher he had just this beautiful thick mustache with a little bit of white (laughs) around the nose because he's chain smoked cigarettes like a freaking you know freight train um but when we read hamlet he gave us all the option to either um watch the movie hamlet or to watch the movie strange brew to which we all said, let's watch uh, Strange Brew because it was of funny, yeah. except for this one just absolute gunner who sat in the back and she said, no, it's not real. That's not real. We need to watch actual Hamlet. She almost got booed out of class for it, which that was another thing that he allowed us to do, boo other students for bad takes. And um, <laughs> so we did. Anyway, we ended up watching uh, Strange Brew as our introduction to Hamlet. And let me tell you, it's pretty spot on.
1: I think that's fantastic. I love adaptations like that. I love it when people do Shakespeare or Jane
0: Austen in a modern way. That's cool. Yeah. It yeah. was very cool and very fun. All right.
1: Okay. So uh, what do you have with bringing some beauty to your life right now?
0: Well, you know, every year I do this, I get into this and I'm, I'm only, only, I'm only thinking about this because of what you just said about the different soliloquies and how different people portray them differently. But I do this every year going into the fall. And so I'm doing this again. Um, and uh, I listen to Mar- Mozart's Requiem. Every mm-hmm. year going into the fall i don't know what it is it's it feels like the right season it's broody it's dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe I go back to my teenage angst i don't know, but when you listen to all of the different um, versions of uh the Requiem whenever you you know get on Apple music or Spotify or whatever, and you listen to the different adaptations and the different versions and it's really amazing how different they all are. Mm. Um, and you can catch like little nuances, like when it's more upbeat, it feels a lot more powerful. Like when the tempo is sped, it feels more powerful, more moving, more like empowering. But then when it's really slowed down, as some composers will do, uh, not composers, but but uh, conductors will do, it, it begins to feel really somber and melancholy and a lot darker um, and deeper. And so every year... I have about three or four different versions of uh, the Requiem that I just play sort of on a loop. I'll send all of those to you so that you can put them in the show notes and people Please. can, can compare. Um, but again, it's that same idea of, you know, the interpretations of the art by the modern artist are all different. And there's something about that, that I just really, really love and find moving.
1: That's cool. Yeah. You know, I think there is something to be said about having our ear slowly trained to appreciate beautiful music and nuance um and you know if you're listening and thinking "Eh, classical or uh, what's the difference between one interpretation and another of the same piece of work um you know like i've said like i said with hamlet it tends to be on us that's the problem if if a work has lasted a long time and we don't get it yet keep working at it um gosh that's one of my favorite that is broody i mean literally it's a requiem um but yeah that's a great piece and i think we've talked about it on the show but man it's good
0: yeah, and but for also for people who are like, I don't understand how one interpretation could be any different than the next. I mean, have you ever been to a bar and listened to your local musician play Dave Matthews? It's just <laughs> completely different and awful.
1: Oh, right, right, that's good.
0: So um, yeah, so interpretations of art are really, I don't know, I think there's something about them that's, that's really beautiful, whether it's a soliloquy or a piece of music or uh, the recitation of a poem. Um, there's something about that that really it changes uh, the color of the art.
1: That's good. That's really good. Yeah.
0: So give me give me something else, Tesh.
1: Okay. So for this next one, Seth, you and I have talked before how we both feel like music has seasons. Well, seeing as it is still pretty hot around here, it's nonetheless fall, and. There is a great musician that I'm sure many of our listeners know of by the name of Andrew Peterson, who to me feels very, very fall. And so um, the other day I put on Andrew Peterson and it was just a delight for me. His song lyrics are such a balm. His writing is just amazing. I love both his books and his music, but I was just in the mood to listen to his music. And I found on Spotify this playlist called This is Andrew Peterson. And I had it on for hours and hours uh, this past weekend, and I just loved it. So I am going to toss out for you Andrew Peterson's Collected Works. Not any particular song, not a particular album, just all of it. Um, I like so much of his stuff. So his music is adding beauty to my life right now.
0: Andrew's a good, Andrew Peterson's an amazing writer. Uh, just has a way with words.
1: He's he's kind of a pick-me-up too. I really, I don't know. I He's he's good for getting my mind on Straight, screwed on straight
0: yeah, yeah yeah
1: hey guys a quick break from our chat to tell you about a little tool i've been using the past year or so that has been a game changer for me and i think you'll like it too it's called hallow And it's a prayer and meditation app that is chock full of great resources to help me pray better and meditate more deeply. It has audio guided ancient prayers, Bible readings, follow along guides for things like Lectio Divina, examine, night prayer, some seasonal music, optional background, ambient noise, and more. And the thing is, it's really high quality. I know sometimes stuff like this is either poorly produced or kind of cheesy. And hallow is neither of those things. And I have a super high kind of snobbish standard in that department, believe me. So some of what's on hallow is intentionally really short, which is nice when we're talking a minute long for those quick breaks you need in the middle of a workday. Some of it is for when you can't sleep and you need to quiet your mind. Some of it is great for while you're sitting in traffic or going on a walk. And you can also create customized routines, which is so helpful for cultivating those habits we all want. So right now in my routine on Hallow, I've got a morning time of learning about and praying along with the saint of the day, according to the church calendar. And then in the evening, a routine of examine for daily reflection. Both of these things take me about 10 minutes. And yet I'm telling you, these little practices have made such a big difference in my life. I first started Hallow back with a 30-day trial, and I loved it so much. I not only upgraded to an annual subscription, I went with a family plan so that my entire household can use it too. So if you're looking for a meditation resource, but you want it faith-based, Hallow is the way to go. Now, yes, they're Catholic, which I personally love as a brand new convert, but I was using Hallow as a Protestant, and I loved it just as much. In fact, it was a simple, encouraging way to, quote, try out some beloved Catholic ancient practices without worry of me not knowing what the heck I was doing. You don't have to be Catholic to find Hallow incredibly life-giving. And I am so thrilled to tell you that they're giving you guys the drink with a friend listeners, the opportunity to try them out with a 30 day trial as well. So you go to hallo.com slash drinks. That's H A L L O W.com slash drinks. And you can test drive the complete version of Hallow for free for 30 days. After that, you can go with the free version, which still has some great stuff on it, but there's a chance you'll be like me and want to keep the full version because it's so dadgum useful and life-giving. So again, that's hallo.com slash drinks for a free 30-day trial. Okay, back to our chat. All right. So Seth, what about you with adding some beauty?
0: So have we talked about uh Vivian Mayer before the photographer?
1: I feel like we have but tell me more because I don't remember well, if we've gotten too
0: deep. So this is a little bit I mean you know um, we we you and I have talked a little bit in fact in the last episode we just recorded we talked about Cal Newport's book Digital Minimalism there was an invocation of his book, deep work. And I think um, Vivian Mayer, maybe more than just about any photographer sort of embodies this to me. So hmm. she was a nanny. Um, she was a street photographer. She walked around New York city with her, you know, little uh, medium format camera. And she took hundreds of street photography photographs. I mean, amazing photographs. Hmm. She was sort of in the line of Cartier-Bresson. She was sort of, you know, looking for that decisive moment, looking to capture the moment. And she did it so well. And every one of her photographs, if you look at them, they tell a story. Even if you don't know the story, even if you don't know the setting, um, she really nails it. Well, here's the thing about Vivian Mayer. No one knew her until she was dead. Mm. No one discovered her work. They didn't find it. She was hmm. at some of the most critical moments, uh, you know, in New York City history, um, and and she never published it. She never sent it off. And just after her death, her work was discovered, and now you can find these amazing uh, books. And I I have one. Um, so we sort of entered into uh, this this September, and I decided to do a digital detox. And she's in no small part, part of that inspiration Mm -hmm. of me just saying, you know what, over the next uh, month I'd like to find not every day, but I'd like to find 15 photographs Mm -hmm. that I really like and I really enjoy that I took and um, think about them, search them out, go get them. Um, And to do that, I kind of needed to do some deep work instead of just, you know, popping off on whatever Twitter, Instagram or whatever the thing may be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so taking my cues from uh, Vivian Mara, I'm going to do a little bit of a very quiet, deep photography that maybe nobody will ever see. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something about that quietness and that depth of work, like shooting it for yourself that Mm -hmm. I think is really inspirational. So I uh, love her book. Um, It's Vivian Mara, a photograph, a photographer found. Um, It's edited by John Maloof. And there's some text in it. Obviously, it's really a really beautifully well done book. There's some really amazing, um, you know, self portraits in there, so you can kind of see what she's like. Um, there are amazing street shots, so you can see kind of a, ca- a look at, you know, the New York City streets in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really amazing stuff.
1: I'm looking through her portfolio right now since you brought her up and. Some of the pieces remind me of that one you did with the bride and groom on the street. You know what uh, I'm talking yeah.
0: about? Yeah, yeah, and that was in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know that's that's what makes to me good photography is not when you go set something up or there's a, there's definitely an art to that, and there are people who do that really well. But when you like find the thing, and it's like the moment that you capture. Um, that, that you just happen to be in the right place in the right time. There's a magic to it. It's like mm-hmm. it almost feels uh, transcendent or like ordained or something. I don't know how else to put it. So, <laughs> um, And all of her photographs have that sort of ordained feeling to them to me.
1: Mm, I like it. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks yeah. for introducing us. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what's ne- next on your list?
1: All right. Well, I have an artist that I uh, have favorited on Etsy. And I literally only know her as Laura, her last name is not on her about page on Etsy. And even her website, when you click over to it, it just says opening soon. So I don't even know She it's just called Sarah, Santa Clara design. But there is a piece that I've bookmarked many moons ago. And I think I'm just going to finally get because I love it so, so much. It's beautiful. It's um, and so I'll put it in the show notes, because it's Visual, obviously, but it is called uh, Ava Ave. Ava to Ave is what it's called. So Ava to Ave. Um, and, And I'll just read the description. It is. An inspirational design print of Mary as the new Eve. Her yes at the Annunciation countered the sin of Adam and Eve and gave way to the Incarnation. And it is just this gorgeous piece of art that looks to me like something you would see in a Parisian diner at the turn of the century, Mm. like turn of the last century. So it kind of has that, um, what is the name of that one? Poster designer uh, I'm going to botch it up, but in the art deco era, I would say mm-hmm. you would, you'll you recognize mm-hmm. the style, but it's, it's just this beautiful print and it's a smoky blue gray print with white. That's what, Those are the only two colors and it is in a garden and it's Mary um, stepping on the serpent that's wrapped around Eve and it is just beautifully done. It's very Greco-Roman in a way. It's not um, historically accurate. It's art. But I just love it. I love the colors. I love the scale of it. And um, I like the subject matter a lot. So,
0: Yeah, um, I'm looking at yeah. it right now. It's really, mm-hmm. it is, I mean, Art Deco is the phrase that comes to mind. It's really uh, beautifully done. Mm-hmm.
1: It is. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just keep every now and then I'll go back and look at it. And I think I'm finally just going to put it in my cart and just buy it. I love I love buying art from artists who do good art. And so I want to support her. So, yeah.
0: I think that's great. And I think everybody should support her and go buy this same print. It's a beautiful print. There you
1: go. All right, Seth, what else do you have?
0: So have you do, do you know what a hummel is?
1: Like the little statue that yeah. grandmas have? Uh-huh.
0: The the little statue that grandmas have. Yeah, yeah. That so evidently my every everyone in my family had Hummels because this was a thing. I don't know, you know the history of the Hummels?
1: Mm, not really. Okay.
0: So these little Hummel statues were created, um, based on, um, paintings that were done by a woman named Berta Hummel. Hmm. Um, and and she actually became a, uh, became a a nun, a sister. And Hmm. she, she was a Benedictine sister and she went by sister Maria Innocentia, Innocentia. So anyway, um, it's really interesting that these pieces came back. Most of them, a lot of them came back um, and found favor with Americans because uh, GIs brought them back from world war II. Um She was, she was German. It was produced by this German company, but what's really fascinating about, about it is the history. And um, she made these little drawings, these innocent little drawings of little children. I mean, they're almost cartoon-esque and when yeah, you look right. at her, when you look at her art, like she had some chops. Like, if you go and look at her prints, mm-hmm. um, she was able to do much more than she did, but she did these little cartoonish characterizations of children. And she was doing little things, like, for instance, there's one that she has that's a little less cartoonish, which is Mary holding the baby Jesus. And then to the right is um, this little boy from clearly from North Africa where the Germans would have um, had some play in the world Mm -hmm. in World War II um, uh, from a colonial perspective. And, and the inscription is something like Mary is the mother to all. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's including these people from North Africa in this, or she would do little things like hide stars or she would put stars um, all throughout her work. But sometimes she would make those um, six pointed stars so yeah. they resembled stars of David. And she would hide those in her work. She may have three or four, or five pointed, and like seven or eight, six pointed. And oh. it was sort of this idea that like, hey, we're we're really trying to include everyone here, you know. And and um so she was sending these sort of veiled messages uh to to the rising Nazi regime uh early uh in before World War Two started. Well, anyway, we have this, um, when I was confirmed into the Catholic Church, my mom said, I'm going to give you this Mary. It's this beautiful, um, you know, ceramic Mary that was evidently brought back from uh, Germany and it's supposedly a Hummel. Well, it doesn't look like any of the other Hummels. Like it doesn't, okay. it's not those little like children sitting around with a butterfly or, you know, this, okay. like this precious moments looking stuff. It's like an actual piece of ceramic, you know, art. And, and at first I wasn't sure. And I was like, man, I was trying to sort out the history of the piece and all this. Sure enough, it's a Hummel. Well, what I found out was that, um, in world war II, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Hitler sort of fancied himself as a bit of an artist and he has Mm -hmm. a lot of art out there. You can go look it up. And it's, it's very, um, I mean, he was, he was not a bad artist. Uh, it's, but it's very sterile and cold and angular and precise. A lot of it's architecture. Um, and when she started writing these or drawing these little messages of hope, these little children playing or whatever, um, there, you know, the, the Nazi regime took notice and sort of criticized her art as, as almost kitschy, Hmm. which was kind of the whole shtick. It was like, yeah, well this may be kitschy, but I'm kind of getting messages of hope. Out to people and um and so I- anyway, it's just this this really uh, beautiful uh idea that you can kind of use this sort of children's art to sort of send subversive messages w- The one piece that got her really um in the doghouse of the Nazi regime was called the volunteers and it's two little boys, one is kind of walking with his head down looking he's sort of looking ahead, but he's also his head's tilted down. Um, so his eyes aren't really on the prize, you know, and he's beating a drum and the guy next to him, the little boy next to him is carrying a a rifle, but it's, um, you know, kind of upside down and he's looking, staring off into space. And underneath it is this, um, inscription and the inscription says, dear fatherland, let there be peace. Hmm. So she's taking exact shot at, at the Nazis. Now here's the interesting thing. The Nazis took over her convent and they allowed her to stay. And they uh, banned distribution of her art and of these little ceramic figures throughout Germany for obvious reasons. I mean, it was it was subversive, almost like protest art. Mm -hmm. Um, But they they were such moneymakers overseas that they continued to let her produce and sell back to particularly America for the purpose of generating Funds for the war effort, wow. um, and so these pieces almost became like inspiration to America to Americans, huh. um, and they sort of started this 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 Hummel movement that still goes on today of of this company producing these Hummel figurines that are mostly kitschy, um, but we have this beautiful Mary and she's in our uh, kitchen and it's kind of a little you know altar every time you pass it and you look up you're like oh that that's a piece of art. Um, that is both beautiful and spiritual, um, but also that reminds us that um, evil can be undone in really subversive, quiet ways.
1: I love that. I'm looking at it and it, you're right, it is so different from the little chubby statues that are on the, you know, collecting dust on the nightstand. That's
0: yeah, and come to find out, um, I mean, th- these these ceramic, there, there are, I think, three or four of them that are actual Hummels, and then some were actually just sort of copied and mimicked by the company that produced them. They're not actually Hummels. They're not based on her art. Mm. The one that we have actually has her inscription on it. We know it's, it's actually a Hummel. But um, uh, d- these two Marys in particular that she uh, did – um, they're not really super valuable. I mean, you can pick them up for I don't know forty, fifty, sixty bucks. I mean, mm-hmm. r- but but some of the little kitschy hummels, and those things are like seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks. Right. Um right. And it just blows my mind that something that's so artistically done is is fairly cheap, relatively cheap. Yep. Um, and these other pieces that are sort of like precious moments dolls are like through the roof. I'm Expensive. looking at
1: I'm looking at a print right now. You could buy a print of them. Uh, Virgin Mary from her on eBay for seventeen
0: fifty. <laughs> so see, it's yeah. amazing.
1: That is amazing. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: So yeah, that's my third one. What's uh? Okay. What's another thing? Um. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm picking which one.
1: Oh yes. Okay. So um, the sound. My my kids are making fun of me for this, and that's okay. But have you ever listened to just ambient sound on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I
0: I have gone down the rabbit hole of sound wave megahertz and the effect on the brain. I love this stuff.
1: I do too. And yeah, I mean, you have to dig around to find the stuff that works for you because some of it, you click on it and you're like, Oh, this is so corny. Um, I think the, the problem the kids have with some of what I listen to, if it's on YouTube, is that the, the, screen looks kind of over the top maybe some of these channels make it look very cgi and so to them that's bothersome for example i found one last weekend um, that was called something about the shire and so it had this still of bilbo baggins writing but it had like a fire crackling and some pages turning and it just looked according to them really fake and so i it kind of turned them off to it but i love it so i've been doing this for several days now listening to ambient sound while I work instead of music. And I love music. So I'm not saying I'm not going to go back to that for working, but I'm getting so much more done while having something in my ears that's still beautiful. Like right now I was listening to this. um, It was like just nature night sounds with a fireplace and an owl hooting. And (laughs) I mean, it it sounds so silly, but um, it's, I don't know. I'm just loving it right now. It it is genuinely adding more joy to my workday, and I don't know. I'm here for it. So yeah. Well, I think
0: there's probably. I mean, there's probably part of that too. Tish, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's probably part of that where it's like we fill our lives with so much noise. And you know, if we had lived 200 years ago, we would have no choice but to hear the owl's hoot and the fireplace (laughs) crackle and. I mean, there's something really primal about all that stuff. And we've tuned so much of it out with noise, 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 noise.
1: Yeah. And I'm annoyed that I have to get the fake stuff, you know, like I'm kind of annoyed <laughs> at the fact that um, I can't just open my window in here, but I'll take it. You know, this is a partial solution to, yeah. to that. Um, yep. And it, it, it can actually be well done. So I've got it on right now in the living room. It's eight hours. of. I think it's called like fall evening or something. And I'm at home by myself right now and I'm just going to let it go. And it's it's genuinely lovely.
0: A hundred percent. Keep it rolling. Don't let them turn it off.
1: I won't, man.
0: All right. Okay. All right. I dig so, it. do
1: you have anything else? All right.
0: I think this is my last one. Um, okay. So we've been rewatching some of the old shows um, and we're finding now, uh, you know, most of these things have aged at least five years. Some of them, mm-hmm. maybe even longer. But we're finding that they really, really like speak differently in this age. So one of them that we have talked about is Battlestar Galactica, where we're watching Battlestar Galactica. Um, You know, with this new dust up in Afghanistan, it's sort of Mm -hmm. relevant again, Um, and we're we're seeing some real nuance there that we never saw before. Part of that's just age, I think, but we started rewatching. And this is going to be weird. This is bringing uh, beauty. But we started rewatching the Netflix series Daredevil, ah. which if you don't know Daredevil, Daredevil is a blind Catholic lawyer who is a vigilante by night, Matt Murdock. Um, so you can imagine lawyer, check the box. You know, I'm a lawyer, I'm Catholic. I'm a Catholic vigilante superhero by night. I'm that too. I don't tell right. many people that, but now you know. Um, and so it just really speaks to the, to, 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 to who I am. It's just me. I'm just Matt Murdoch. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but in all seriousness, the, the themes in that, uh, the, the show are so poignant, like the struggle between good and evil and vice and virtue and right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And where's the gray line. And, um, there's a character in the show who is a priest and he is so well-written mm-hmm. that, a couple nights ago, I looked at Amber and I said, Man, I want that guy to be my priest. No <laughs> shot against my priest now, who's amazing. Um, but man, it just, the, whoever wrote that show had to have known, um, you know, what's hidden in the heart of man and what the church has to say about it and how we hold those tensions. I mean, it's kind of amazing. So it's not going to be a show for everyone. It's pretty dark. There's a lot of murdery stuff in it, as Amber says. Um, there are some scenes where I have to hide my own eyes just cause I don't do violence well and it's pretty violent. Okay. So viewer discretion. Um, but man, it is so well written and so well done from a human, you know, humanity perspective.
1: And this is a series, not a movie.
0: It's a series. I think it's three or four seasons. I can't, I think it's three seasons. Yeah. Um, I think I've
1: seen it on Netflix. I just haven't seen it.
0: So it's, it's really, really well done. Really well done.
1: I love that. So, Probably not a family watch.
0: Probably not a family watch unless your family is a little bit older. Um, so, like our teenagers, I wouldn't have a problem watching it. I mean, there are things that you have to be like, oh, it's a little bit violent, but, um, or maybe a lot violent and tastes differ on that stuff. Some people, yeah, it doesn't bother as much as it does me, but um, it probably not a family show, but a great show. And if you're a comic book fan, Mm -hmm. or a quasi comic book fan. I think it's the best thing Hmm. that has been Marvel related. That is not part of the current MCU. And it's better than a lot of stuff in the current MCU. And for those of you who are geeky enough, you know exactly what I mean by that.
1: Right. Right. We have some diehard Marvel nerds in our family. So um, I think it's been mentioned before and I have, I have set it aside. So that's good to know that you recommend it.
0: Very good. It's very good. And And if you watch it and it's not your cup of tea or you think it's completely evil, then um, you can judge me. That's fine. That's all
1: right. Your mileage may vary. It's all good. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: right. That's what they say.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, seeing as we just named, I don't know, what was that? Eight to ten things that are adding beauty to our life. um, That's probably where we should leave things because I think we've just given our listeners more than they can possibly do in one week. Um, So, yeah, it's good to chat with you. And it is time to wrap it up. So you can find this episode as well as all episodes at a adrinkwithafriend.com. If you like the show and what we're doing here, you can help keep it going by picking up the next round of drinks. As I've said many times before, the show is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. So at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can play a big part. Find the link to do that at the show notes of this episode or at a drink with a friend.com. And thank you so much for those of you who have picked up tabs. It has really been mind blowing to me. It's really cool. Um, and you can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenrider.com. Seth, where can people find you?
0: They can find me at SethHaines.com. And also, speaking about picking up tabs, I agree 100%. I We, we so. So appreciate that. And I vow to you, because I don't drink (laughs) pints, I vow to you that in the next couple of months, I'll use some of those funds to drink a pint of coffee. I'm not scared.
1: (laughs) All right. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod, and editing is by Kyle Oxenrider. I'm Tish Oxenrider with Seth Haynes, and we will be back here again with you soon. Thanks for listening.